This week on the podcast, I welcome Richard Powazinski. He's the co-founder and community manager for the Woody's NFT project. He got involved with NFTs through being a photographer and was part of a team of creators from UltraDAO who went on to set up Woody's. Woody's is a collection of 10,000 generative pieces with over 900 unique traits. It sold out in 30 minutes and has a combined trading volume of over $11 million at today's prices. But Woody's is more than just an avatar NFT profile picture collection. It's a story-driven, complex universe with a strong community that wants to do good in the world. The project has already raised enough funds to hit their pledge of planting 1 million trees. So, I was keen to understand more about Woody's, how it was founded, how the community was built, and what plans they have for the future. Now remember, anything discussed on the Wealth Journal is not financial advice. I don't make any recommendations, and I encourage you to always do your own research when making investments. Now with that out of the way, let's get cracking. So Richard, welcome to the Wealth Journal podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, so Richard, you obviously work for for Woody's. Um, I'm keen just to understand a little bit about yourself and also what led you to to work for, for Woody's NFT project. Yeah, so I can, um, I can start off and tell you about a little, a little bit about how I got into this space. Um, so around about this time last year, um, I started hearing kind of the buzzword of, of NFTs. And uh, I've been in the, the crypto space for a few years now. So once I started seeing um, this buzzword, I was like, oh, well, well, what's an NFT? How does it relate? Um, and, you know, aside from the NFT space and the crypto space, I'm a photographer myself. Um, so there's that creative side of me as well. And when I seen the application of the tech with the creative side, I immediately thought, yes, this I see the use value here. I see. I see how this is like the next step uh, for the creative. And uh, yeah, it was very easy for me to transition to NFTs because I kind of had gone through those crypto cycles um, previously. So the fear had gone and I kind of just jumped straight in with with trying to get myself established on uh, one of the platforms and just starting to like kind of build the photography community because right at the beginning when I first joined, there wasn't so many of us and photography wasn't uh, what it is today. So I remember there being like a small WhatsApp group of photographers all on, on foundation being like, will we ever make a sale? <laughs> is photography even like the same level as everything else? You know, everything's 3D or digital artwork and and yeah it's you know it's good to see that the, the space has evolved and, and there's space for everyone but it it was a bit of a challenge to begin with um so it was kind of just trying to build up the photography space um and then around about july last year i got invited to join ultra dow and ultra dow is a dow for artists by artists and there was at the time like 111 of us in the dow and the idea of the DAO is to, you know, support community artists, support the artists within the DAO. Um, it's also, you know, um, collecting uh, artwork of cultural significance, this kind of thing, and really just a, a, a space for us all to be together. And um, 
what happened was I had joined and then a couple of weeks after joining, we were in one of our like team meetings um, and just talking about, you know, the space and what we were seeing. And it came up um, about these PFP projects, the 10K generative projects that had um, become quite popular in the summer last year. And, you know, it, we were talking and, and one of the artists, Lucresh, does Lucresh, he um, had mentioned um, about wanting to create a, a 10K project with planks of wood, uh, with the idea of selling it out and building a house with those, with the money. And it kind of quickly became like a, a running joke, like, oh, we should set something up and then make it happen. And people started, you know, some of the artists in the DAO started um throwing concept artwork and just throwing like drawings and pictures and it it very quickly became real uh so within a couple of weeks we're like okay we should actually do this because we have a doubt full of artists who have all these skills and talents that we can utilize and actually do something that you know sets us apart from everyone else because you know the standard will be you know higher because we have such a good set of people in the DAO. and yeah that's how kind of woodies was born so we we formed a kind of a committee and, and and had some roles that were um available and people could put themselves forward for those roles and uh yeah the, the team was formed we had um a couple of weeks of like art concepting um where people in the DAO artists in the DAO could present their ideas and we we landed on pretty much what you see now the woodies um generative collection and you know these kind of humanoid wooden um creatures and that came from one of our other artists j j838 um so we ended up just it just sort of grew organically it was kind of cool to to see that creative process and and yeah woody's was born and then it was like how do we make this work and how do we make this happen and, and uh yeah we went from there really so that's kind of how i got into woody's because i had put my hand up on the community marketing kind of front because I'm not a I'm not an artist I can't draw and I know nothing about the tech side so I was like okay how do I use my skills um so that's how I ended up with, with getting involved with Woody's oh cool I'm sort of intrigued about the the DAO structure in in the way that did did that help sort of fund the project as well through the ultra DAO and bring bring the tech side together as well no so um in terms of the funding, we did what a lot of NFT projects do, which is like a revenue share once you get to the the, the public sale. So that was kind of the incentive there was um, everyone had kind of put in a proposal of what they were wanting to get out of the project with the idea that um, a large proportion of that money from the public sale would go back into the Dow Bank. So obviously that had to be factored in as well, plus our um, charitable element. Um plus the community fund so there was you know things to keep in mind um so everyone kind of just put out what they wanted to get from the project and and uh depending on how much you know they put towards the project and that was funded obviously once we got to the sale or beyond the sale um but in terms of the tech side we have some um like bitcoinski and calvin who are in the dow who are also on the are there from the art side but also have that tech skills um and they created the the mechanism that delivered woodies and the mint passports and all of that kind of stuff so we kind of had everyone we needed in the dow awesome, awesome. luckily <laughs> yeah yeah and in terms of your role then um 
for people that that don't know, what does a community manager do? Like, what what value do you bring? Um, yeah, so I kind of wear a few different hats. Um, so to to kind of split it down into just community management, I think um, that's more focused on you know coordinating with the moderators, um, making sure that you're kind of on point in terms of um, delivering the message of the the project um, through all the communication that you do. Um, so a lot of it is making sure that communication is clear and concise and, and consistent and, you know, finding ways to um, involve the community is what I find the most useful. So one of the things we integrated after some feedback from our community is um, wanting to get to know us as the project leaders a little bit more. So um, one of the things we did before we launched was actually um, introduce the team. And for most of us, we were already doxxed because we were already in the space as photographers, artists, this kind of thing. So that helped kind of build that that trust, um, help reassure the community because they're like, okay, these are existing people in the space with, with their own careers and, and experience and stuff. And then after we launch, we set up these kind of uh, weekly meetings. So it's called a campfire council. And the idea is that it's once a week, we get together with the community and we just kind of give an update on what actually goes on in a project behind the scenes, because, you know, there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of um, uncertainty. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of joy. There's all these emotions. And when you see a roadmap, for example, you know, there's a lot of deliverables that no one really knows how long these things can take to, to, to make and to, to deliver. And, and I think definitely having this kind of weekly communication with the community helps kind of bridge that gap between the expectation of the community and, and the expectation from the team, because people then realize that you are actually working. They hear you, that you, what you're doing week to week. So they know that it's being worked on and that kind of reassures them. Then uh, it makes it easier to give kind of, better expectations um, of a project and, and sort of brings them in and shows them what we're doing. Um, so I think in terms of community management, it's very much about communicating. <laughs> it's always key in, in everything that we do in life. Um, communication, you know, is key in wherever there's errors or failures as well as a lack of communication. So for me, it's very much making sure that we um bring the community into that as much as we can and, and kind of keep on top of that and make sure we're delivering the right the right kind of messages and stuff. Um, so that's kind of the key thing I would say for a community manager. Um, and I think we're in a in a really good space that and in, in a different space in the sense that we can get to know the people in our community a little bit more and it makes it a lot more personable. Um, so you know I think that's Another thing that adds an additional layer in terms of the community side, and this is what we try to, to instill with the Woody's community, is we want to get to know the people in the community um, and encourage that. And we want the moderators, you know, to really get to know the community. And a prime example of that was, um, you know, we had uh, had our first community-led initiative uh, happen on Saturday, just just gone, and basically a big group of Woody's holders got together in Southern California and went and did a, a hike together. So um, I'm I'm going to get feedback this week from the from the team who went to find out like how it went and the, and the numbers and stuff. But 
you know, a, a big chunk of, of Woody's holders got together and, and kind of went hiking together. I think that's fantastic. And and that didn't, that wouldn't have happened without Woody's. Um, and, you know, I think those kind of get togethers, those kind of initiatives will really just help further build that community side of things. So it's kind of just finding ways to um, promote that as best as possible. So some of the other things we've done is we had like a community fan art competition back in October to really get to know some of the, the artists in the, in the community. Um, in January, we had a photography, the equivalent of that in the photography uh, sense, um, because obviously I brought the photography side into the, the Woodies as well as some friends of mine. So I was like, you know, how can we promote and support the photographers in the space? And we did something similar there. So just really just trying to take that opportunity to get to know the community and, and kind of bridge that gap between being a, a project lead or a team lead or, or kind of on that side and then community being on the other. It's kind of like, can we find somewhere in the middle? Um, so that's, I think that's the biggest, biggest things with being a community manager. Wow. And I'm guessing your, or, well, the members of the community are sort of far reaching then if that was Southern, Southern California. Um, yep. Was that just where you've got a lot of, a lot of members in that area or why, why Southern California? Um, just someone put out, hey, is there anyone else in Southern California? Would be cool to get together. And obviously people seen that message, you know, on the, you know, on my side, I kind of help announce that in an official capacity. So, you know, trying to, to tag the community and, and people just naturally just gathered and, and formed around that idea. We have another one sort of being in the works for April for around Earth Day in North Carolina. Um, here in Europe, I've started talking to a few people who are here in Europe about planning one in the summer in Austria. Um, so we're really trying to just promote these community-led initiatives by just saying, like, look, this is what's possible. We just, you know, the beauty of the decentralized space is you can do this if you want to apply yourself and 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 put that together. So we definitely, uh, you know, we actively encourage it and. Um, I think we'll see more and more of these. They're already planning the ones who were in the Southern California one uh, are already planning to do a biking trip. I heard already um, and maybe some camping. So I'm like, I'm all for it. Um, so it's definitely just led by the community and, and someone taking kind of charge and saying like, I'm here. Who else wants to join me on this you know, experience? Um, we will start this uh, or we have started planning our official Woody's meetups. Um, and those will be like more, con uh, organized through the, through the project itself. And, and, um, we have some, some big plans for that, but the idea there would be, uh, is that we want to kind of find out roughly where in the world people are. So we're, we're going to have some, uh, different mechanisms in place to try and just get some feedback from the community about where we should be hosting these, um, but for the community that ones, it could be anywhere, anywhere you feel like really. Um, yeah. I feel like um, the NFT world obviously has just purely existed digitally through 2021. And I imagine most of that has been down to COVID and travel restrictions, but I am seeing a, a trend now where people want to get together with like-minded community members and start to actually interact, whether it's through events or, or like the, the, the walk that or the hike that, um, your community did as well. So I think that'll be a little start to grow in as we move into 2022. Well, I, I completely agree. I think, I think 
the NFT space, you know, despite what we've all gone through with with COVID and, and the pandemic and the lockdowns, you know, aside from all of that, I think that has lent itself to the NFT space and the, the, how quickly it's grown and the boom towards NFTs and, and Web3 is just because people are sitting at home, people are on the computer all day, people are working online, you know, it, it kind of, I think it's it's helped propel that forward a lot quicker than it probably would have if we weren't going through this. So um, I think that's kind of become a result of, of the situation we're currently in. And like you say, the, there's this transition now where people want to get outside and they want to get together with people, but they're very, being very selective of when and how, they, how that's done. And what a lot of the people said, apparently, who had gone to the, the hike was that they loved that they were able to go out and enjoy nature, which is, you know, it's a good place to be. And like you say, with like-minded people. Um, so I think it, it really fills that, that desire that people have at the moment to kind of be a, in both. So be involved with the crypto NFT web three space, but also still, you know, being actively encouraged to switch off and spend some time outdoors and, and um, for a few people, they even said it was their first time meeting with other people in, in quite a long time. Um, and they really, really enjoyed that. That's so good. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. I guess with your project and when you referred to previously about um, your team or members of your team being docs versus undocs, obviously there's, there's still quite a lot of projects where um, the founders and are not docs. And when I say not docs, we don't know their, their true identities. But obviously there's some, there's some very successful NFT projects that are done that way as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think going forward as maybe NFT sort of start to merge with the, the physical world and people meeting up that people will be looking towards projects with founders that are a little bit more, um, you know, they share their identity and you can, you can meet in spaces and have conferences or things like that. Well, this, this is kind of, um, where we're seeing this mix up is, you know, you have the, the people who are very much want to remain anonymous. And I think those are very much, you know, not necessarily get involved with kind of in-person act- uh, events and things, or if they do, it'll still be under like a pseudonym. So they won't, won't be known. Um, but, you know, as a project, we felt that when we decided to in the team it was because we hadn't seen that very often with projects previously and we had done some research um while the art concepting phase was happening we did like this benchmark research where we looked at what happened with previous projects up until woody's and kind of looked at you know what went well what didn't go so well where could we improve where could we innovate and um, one of the things i was a big advocate for was was this idea of introducing the team because other projects hadn't really done that and i think we were in a kind of a unique position because we were a DAO of artists. And like you say, when I say dogs, that don't necessarily mean that we know that your name, like me, is Richard Povajinsky and I'm from England. But, you know, there's a, you kind of can find out who's on the team and you can see that, that who they are as an artist and what they've done previously. And it just gives a bit more credibility. Gives, um, and um, I think for those of us like me and, for example, Chris, our project lead, you know, people know him and, and have seen seen him and stuff so i think it was very much kind of a a conscious decision to be like what can we do to um 
do things differently that helps to build that that trust and that reassurance with the community and i feel like that was one of the things that we were able to lead with and um it really worked in our favor i think this has helped build the community that we have and i think it was helped and it will help this year with the in-person activities and these get-togethers because people will be like oh I, you know i've seen you in pictures and i've heard you in our campfire councils and now i actually get to meet you in real life and this kind of stuff um so I think moving forward, um, I think we'll still see the same. I still think we'll see teams that are completely unknown um, and, and ones that are quite openly um, about the space. I think it depends on what you're trying to build. Um, and I think what we're building um, is going to be helpful having, you know, faces that can be seen and then people that are known. Um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, really cognizant of the fact of that I, no one should feel like they have to be forced to do something that they don't want to do. You know, um, I'm a gay man myself and I would never want to kind of out someone, you know, as, as in that sense. So for me, the idea of forcing someone to dox themselves just goes completely against what I, what I think. So I'm very respectful. And I, you know, when I offered this idea to the, to the team, I said to them, like, I don't want you to feel like you have to dox yourself, but, you know, I'm going to put my face out there and say, like, I'm on the community marketing side and a few others, you know, are doing the same. So we were very much um, respectful of that. And I think that's something that should be maintained. But I do think we'll continue to see like this kind of mix of um, teams that are either fully doxed or half doxed or, or something like this um, as we as we move forward. Yeah, I've always, I mean, I, for me personally, when I when I look at projects, it doesn't really bother me whether founders are doxxed or undoxed. But what I do like about founders that are undoxed is whether they still play like an active role in um, building the community or sharing about their projects. Maybe they do some, they might do podcasts or interviews and they don't necessarily sh- obviously show who they are, but they're still willing to go on and talk about you know, their vision and things like that. I think that's, I think I find that quite useful as somebody when I'm research, w- researching a project as opposed to somebody who just doesn't really do that. And it's just a little bit more under the radar. I th- yeah, I completely agree. I think regardless of whether I know the person or know the person's face behind that PFP or something like that, it's, if I see that person is working in the space to develop and develop themselves, develop the project, um i can see that they're they're working hard and they're building something bigger i i respect that um so um i i agree on that front when i'm when i'm looking at other projects it's kind of those are the signals for me yeah cool so let's talk a little bit more about woodies i know you've covered a little bit of terms of how it was how it was born but what is what is woodies and what makes woodies unique versus some of the other projects out there in the space yeah so i think uh, straight away just we led with the dow first so it's a it's a project that came out of ultra dow so you know we've done things a different way around to, to a lot of projects um that put us in a unique position in terms of the team that we had available um the art that was able to, that was able to be created um and it has a unique look aesthetically to to all the other projects that are out there um because again, we wanted to have something unique, a different concept. Um, and, you know, uh, 
a big part of the project on the visual side is we wanted to have these creatures that were kind of um, genderless, so you could interpret them as however you like. Um, and we wanted to make them kind of relatable so that people could look at them and, and kind of be like, oh, I see myself in this Woody, or I see like my my friends or my family, or I see my kids in this Woody. And, and what we had ideas wise is actually started to translate. So now we're starting to hear more and more of people like finding their forever Woodies or finding Woodies that are, you know, representative of them or they remind them of someone. And I think to, to finally see that being realized is like what we were trying to create worked. Um, so I think we're very unique in terms of what we're trying to build in that sense. And the biggest thing for me as well is, building a community is you want that kind of connection you want that emotional connection to what you're building and and by having that with the aesthetics as well as the storytelling that we have um really helps further develop that and further support that and i think that was another thing that was unique to woody's is when we had done the benchmarking research we had looked and not so many projects had focused heavily on a storyline and a narrative so we jumped in there and was like okay we have the opportunity to tell the story of Woody's and um, that's what we did. We built the law around the core characters and how they were created. And it tied into all of the marketing um, promotional material that we did in the lead up to the, the project release. So tying in the storyline that the 10,000 Woody's were missing. They'd been chopped down from the forest and were missing and we needed uh, community members to go out and search for the missing Woody's. And then, when we got to the public sale, it was like, okay, we found them and now they need to be adopted because they need to go to new homes. And so it was very much kind of just building on the storyline and bringing the community in on that journey. So I think all of these things, we try to make it unique and try to kind of um, just do things in a, in a different way. Um, and it's really helped build the community that we have. Um, so I think, that's one thing is um, the community element and the the, uh, the storyline. And then we made a huge donation to Trees for the Future. That was kind of a big thing for us as we wanted to donate to a charity. And, and obviously replanting trees was perfectly aligned with the storytelling of, of Woody's. And yeah, so we donated. Uh, we had a one million tree campaign. So we had um, worked out roughly a the donation that we made was the equivalent of 1 million trees. So again, with the, the drop, it was like for every woody that was adopted, 100 trees would be planted, which was kind of the narrative there. And, you know, we, we finally made the last donation of ETH um, in January to get us to the 1 million mark. So we've now officially achieved the, the donation of, of 1 million trees. Um, we're actually about to be featured in the chronicle of philanthropy um as part of a, a an article about uh nft space web3 space and and um charitable work so it's really cool that we've been able to, to do that and it's, it's just the beginning you know we've achieved that in five months you know think what we can do in another five years it's, it's phenomenal and i think that adds another layer to the project because as well with the donation i said to the team like i don't want us to just make a donation and it'd be forgotten about like we often see, I want this to be part of our story. We can build on this. You know, we're growing a forest with this with this money. So I want to be able to get regular updates. You know, you know, in five years' time, we can look back and say, like, this is the actual thing that that that's resulted as as of the Woodies. And then it's super exciting what what we've been able to achieve so far. And 
I think that makes us unique as well. Um, and I think like we've talked about quite a little bit earlier about this bridging of Web 2 and Web 3 and this kind of in-person physical um, events with what we're doing in the space, um, kind of trying to foster that a little bit more as well. Um, makes us unique because people want that experience. They want to be able to go outside and enjoy nature, but they also want, you know, to be involved in the NFT and the Web3 space. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of elements where we're trying to really do things differently. Um, and so far, it's it's going well. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I've got I've got some of the stats here, actually, from Woody's, Woody's in Numbers, which I think I found on your Discord, but sold out in 30 minutes. Um, 7,800 Woody's generated so far with 3,000 unique owners, 4.3 thousand combined volume traded, which at today's current ETH prices is over $11 million. Um, and you've done 10,000 Woody's times Deadfella special mints claimed as well. So pretty, pretty impressive project. Yeah. And those, those kind of statistics were our, summary from the end of the year so 2021 so that was kind of a roundup of where we were at um, at the end of december and since then we've gone through our um minting phase we like um hit the deadline for our mint passports so we now have a finalized collection um so now that the the collection is capped um and obviously the volume's gone up a little bit more since then as well. And the unique holders has gone up to, I think, around 3,800. So we're almost pushing 4,000 unique holders. So, um, yeah, there's been a, a big jump with us pushing through to get to the deadline for the Mint Passports, um, which kind of helps us propel into, like, phase two of what we're producing because uh, phase one was, you know, launching the project, getting through those first few months of like establishing everything, getting things set up, getting things organized, getting, you know, stuff out there. And, you know, we, we had the deadline for the mint passports of February the 15th. And we wanted that date so that people had time to, to, to get to that deadline, but also then we needed that deadline so that we can build and keep delivering because there are certain things that we needed a finalized collection number and, and stuff like that. So it kind of, marked the end of phase one and, and now we're sort of transitioning into phase two which is super exciting and how did the the dead fellas sort of collaboration come about was that led by you guys or by them so yeah um basically psych from from dead fellas is part of our dow so he's part of ultra dow so there's kind of the family tie there um and uh that's pretty much where that came from so um we wanted to do something that's kind of was like a it's family tie sort of scenario. So um, he created one piece of artwork for the special mint and uh, Gozma created uh, another piece. And we made that as a free mint for anyone who was a Woody's holder or a Deadfellas holder. And the idea was that aside from getting two awesome pieces of artwork, um, NFTs for, for free, was that uh, at some point when we are fully functional with our metaverse, uh, we will have these kind of collab um, events. So they'll be used as tickets. So they do have a kind of utility in the future. Um, nothing sort of finalized, but it, they will be used in that sense. And at the moment, you know, two really awesome pieces of artwork. So kind of Deadfellas and, and Woody's are linked just uh, in, a, in a more fam family, familiar tie. Is that the right word? Family, family ties uh, through the DAO. So 
that's how that happened. Brilliant. And um, you as a community manager, how do you find sort of, I guess, there's, there's the dark side of the NFT world as well, sort of managing the, the community in terms of the demands of the community and things like that, the pressure that comes from working on an NFT project. Um, how have you found that? Yeah, I think to be completely, completely honest, I think we've been very lucky. I think we started with a strong foundation in terms of building that core group of people who were really invested in Woody's before we launched. So we, that came from from um, that community development before we launched. Um, and that kind of set a standard of what we wanted in the community. So people who wanted to be there because they love nature, they love to be outdoors, but also want to be in the space as well. Um, family-friendly project, that was another key thing. So we kind of had set the standard and the tone. Um, after we launched, you know, we we did a, a mechanism where if you were uh, uh, early into the Discord, you got the, the search party role. So this was your role to, to go and help find the missing woodies. And, and we actively encouraged people outdoors and they were awarded by, by being part of this um, original group. And we had a, we capped that at 400. And we then, right up to the launch, had opened the Discord and was you know getting people actively coming in and getting ready for the launch and getting excited and wanting to find out all about the 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 community and, and what the project was about and um we were deciding how we were going to do the sale and um we were very fortunate that you know we decided to close the discord for 24 hours and we surprised the community with a special announcement announcement which was that everyone who was in the discord up until that point of the the, the discord being closed would be given access on the pre-sale um to mint um, a couple of woodies so instantly we had a community of i can't remember the specific numbers but say let's say around about three thousand people in the discord were all then super hyped super excited because they all were guaranteed to get uh their hands on on a woody when it came to the sale and i think that just really set the tone for the entire launch because we had a full community of people who were excited a full community of people who were ready to get their hands on on a woody and and people who were really there because they wanted to be there and they believed in the project. Um, and I think that's how we it helped us uh, sell out so quickly. And, you know, obviously, naturally, with, with project drops, you have those people who come in and, and uh, want to flip things. Um, you know, it's, it's part of the space and um, it's to be expected. But I think we were very lucky that we got... Uh, an amount of people holding woodies who actually wanted to hold with the idea of being part of the project long term. So we were very fortunate and we had very little um, FUD that came from the launch because we had put in place mechanisms with the Min Passport to um, minimize gas. Um, we gamified it a little bit by having these raffles each week for holding the Mint Passports rather than turning them into the woodies. Um, we gave people the power to decide when they wanted to mint their passports and kind of when gas was appropriate for them. So we were really cognizant of the fact of what had been done previously and how can we mitigate some of those issues and make the experience as pleasant and as enjoyable as possible. And I think we achieved that. So that's been great. And then because we've set up this kind of weekly meetings, it's helped with expectation management because people see that we're working hard behind the scenes to, to develop and, you know, we're letting them see that. Um, as always, there is pressure because 
there's the pressure to deliver, there's the pressure, the time pressure, you know, uh, people are watching the, the floor on the price and things. Um, it gets easier. I definitely have to say it gets easier over time and it also gets easier on the community because they believe in you the more time that goes on um, and they want to support you rather than question you. So it's it, it kind of the, the narrative shifts slightly once you get to a certain threshold in time because they're like, okay, these people are actually delivering and they're actually building and they're actually working on building something bigger. So we can stop asking the question when, 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 when. Um, so that's kind of um, nice as well. But as always, and, and we see this recently with some projects that have just about to launch or change their mind about launching is, is this expectation management from the communities is, and the pressure to deliver is, I think a lot of projects like the idea behind creating a project and the artwork, but sometimes they don't realize what it entails beyond the drop. And I think that really needs to be taken into consideration because there's a huge commitment huge huge commitment financially emotionally uh professionally personally um it affects your entire life so um it's definitely good to be mindful yeah and we've seen a lot of seen a lot of projects as well quite recently there's been a trend towards very high initial mint costs as well um you talk <laughs> one eighth maybe even beyond that and i think that's put either puts huge pressures on the projects as well. Um, what's, your, what's your view on that trend? Um, yeah, I agree. Like when you have such a high mint price, there's then a, a kind of a higher expectation and a higher demand, I think, for you to, to, to deliver and, and to add more value. But it, it's not healthy for the space. It's not, you can't be sustained. And, and coming from the side where, I now know what goes on in, within a project behind the scenes with the team like we have. And obviously I don't know what other project teams are like, but I know what we're capable of and what we're building. And I know what's ex what's to be expected in the timeframes and stuff. And I just think for those projects that have that kind of hype at the moment and those kind of more expectations than we had to deal with, I think it, it can be quite a lot. So um, I fully understand that. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's a tough, uh, and and you kind of until you go through it, you don't realize as well. So you kind of go in with like a little bit blind, so to speak. Um, but yeah, yeah. I was um, going back to the one million trees. I was I was caught off guard a couple of weeks back at a family party when I brought up the subject of, of NFTs, and uh, a fairly well-read fifteen-year-old quickly told me that. NFTs are bad for the environment. And um, I used Woody's as an example because I, I understand where that concern comes from based on the, the way the blockchain works and the proof of stake model, uh, proof of work, sorry, um, the computational power that's required to, to maintain, obviously, the blockchain and validate, et cetera. But then Woody's is a project that has actually been able to, to put back into the environment through the, the planting of a, a million trees. What, what's your sort of... <laughs> argument again against that that narrative really in terms of the the impact blockchain currently can have on the environment versus you actively being involved in the space but also doing something positive yeah i think there are i had this discussion this week like i said when i was interviewed um about um nfts and and sort of linking now with with charitable elements um, and charities themselves I 
my first thinking is always, you know, Woody's didn't exist five, six months ago. So five, six months ago, we didn't have any intention of um, planting trees, none of us. And yet we've been able to come together as complete strangers, form a community of like-minded individuals. We've come out with a, a common goal of delivering on that. And within five months, we've been able to to, to do that. It's, in my opinion, it's, it's phenomenal that that's able to be done in such a short space of time. And that's just the beginning. Like our project will continue to have those at its core. So like, for example, with our merch drop coming up, you know, it's taken longer than a lot of other merch drops because we wanted to make sure we source sustainable clothing and it's eco-friendly and that, you know, we're, we're thinking about all of these elements. So I think in, in, a, in the simplicity of it all, it's like, Woody's didn't exist five months ago and we've been able to achieve this for me like that speaks volumes about the potential of the space um and that is a narrative that should be celebrated more when people talk about nfts especially to people who are non-native to nfts because i think they're often given uh, a very limited uh view on on the impact of, of it on the environment i think um there's also misinformation on that front as well um in terms of what's delivered to non non crypto non nft people about um, the impacts because you hear conflicting things always i think you can mix in a little touch of hypocrisy and all of that as well because people say these things and then you know they're driving around in their you know cars or you know they're on their phones and, and you know it, there's a little bit of that involved as well so sometimes i'm a bit like okay it it can't be one or the other i think there has to be a balance of of everything um and it's finding that right balance um and the other thing is the with the technology it's like with any technology it has to start somewhere and then as it evolves and grows it will become better and become more efficient it will, it will get to that point and they're already that's already a, a narrative that's been in the space for the last, well, I think it's been more than 10 years now since Bitcoin launched. So it's like, it's been something that's been continually pushed and developed. And if you think in 10 years, we've gone from having just the, the, the blockchain with Bitcoin on it to, you know, some of these um, blockchains that have, you know, a carbon neutral and all this kind of stuff. They're like, so much has happened in just 10 years. I think to myself, like, it's an emerging technology that just is going to keep improving and keep evolving. And at some point, we'll get to a point where that narrative will no longer be able to stick to the space because it'll be like, well, that was a problem we had 10 years ago, not now. Um, so I see it as a, a short-sighted uh, narrative to the space. And it's, it's a concern. It's a concern with everything we do. And I think people should be reminded of that day to day with everything that they, they do in their life. Um, but I think for the NFT space, it's just, I think definitely we should have more stories of the, the counter side of that just to balance it out a little bit and be like actually look at the good that's being done prime example what happened yesterday or the day over the weekend with raising funds for what's going on in the ukraine that didn't that would never have happened before and it, it's phenomenal what can what community and what people when they're brought together with a common cause can do and can make change and you finally feel more connected because you've personally invested into that in some format and and i think we're in a different space completely so i think it's it's going to change that narrative over time um you know they said that that all of these things were a scam <laughs> a while back and now and now i'm being taxed on my crypto so obviously there's some that narrative can change very quickly um 
So I think it, in terms of that side, it will as well. Absolutely. Yeah, great perspective. Thanks for that. Uh, my last question, my last question then. Um, so speaking of the future, what's coming up for Woody's? You mentioned uh, merch drops, which you've been working on, but is there anything else that you've, you've got planned in the pipeline that's exciting? Yeah, so in terms of our, you know, we call it the trail guide. So it's not a roadmap, you know, it's actual trail guide. Um, is we have... Um, we're almost at the point of being able to drop that merch. Like I say, I, I'm fingers crossed that will happen um, this week. That's what I'm my goal because um, I've been uh, heading that um, part of the project as well. Um, th- we have a 3D team that's exclusively doing 3D work. Um, they've been doing it full time since November, so it tells you how long they've been working on this. Um, they are kind of finishing things up as well. So in the in the immediate um, a few weeks or a month we're going to have um some updates on the 3d side of things um, and what that means for, for woody's holders um you know we're pushing as well more of these community initiatives um and putting together the the official woody's get togethers where it'd be like like i say weekends away or, or something to, to do activities in person in a more official capacity um We've, we're going to be at a couple of the um, conferences this year. Um, so the one in Amsterdam in June, um, I guess we'll, we'll be there in, in New York as well this year. Um, so kind of really just um, being present and, and trying to, to create those connections with the community in, in different ways that we can um, through, through these real life uh, moments and, what else do we have other than that i think we have things that we're working on but uh yeah we're not allowed to <laughs> say any more on that front but we're we're building big we have some big ideas and you know the the way that we see it is the nft side is kind of an unlock to a bigger um a bigger thing and uh yeah there's some exciting stuff that we're working on as well that you know isn't on our roadmap but that's what we're doing i think I think a roadmap is good to have like as a loose guide, but it's a guide that gets us to a destination and it's that destination that we're building that's exciting. So yeah, that's all I'll say on that front. Very good. Very good. And for people that want to learn a little bit more about Woody's or yourself, even what's the, what's the best way for them to do that? Yep. I think Woody's wise definitely just to head to the website, um, Woody's NFT.com. We have a lot about the project, um, the, the, charitable elements um the law so you can read all about the the storyline as well um for me personally i'm you know you can reach me through the socials you know twitter linkedin um i'm definitely doing a lot more in terms of kind of um speaking up about community and community engagement and all this kind of stuff um especially on linkedin because i think it's a narrative that not many people have experience with um and if i can give a bit of insight that will help a future project launch you know uh, you know that's that's my personal goal in the space um so i have been doing a little bit and i think at the conference like i say in, in june i'll probably speak uh, be a speaker in that sense um and talk a little bit about that so yeah you know and appreciate doing things like this you know and just talking about the project and and uh yeah super exciting and every day is exciting you know waking up and 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 uh, just seeing what what comes up um yeah that that would be it i would say awesome 
Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Richard. Yeah, thank you for having. No worries, no worries. And thanks for sharing everything about Woody's. Um, and yeah, I, I think the project's cool. I've enjoyed researching about it and I look forward to see what you guys what you guys do in the future. And hopefully you guys will be planting some uh, some more trees going forward as well. Yeah, yeah, we we've we've got plans to keep doing stuff on the on the charity side as well. Um so yeah, definitely gonna have more on that front. Um and yeah, maybe it'd be cool to to catch up again in the future once once a little bit more's gone on with the project as well and uh, come back and, and do an update or something like this. Oh that'd be great. Yeah. But uh yeah, thank you for your time and thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you very much. A quick one from me. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Journal podcast. Do me a favor, hit follow and subscribe, and that way you'll make sure you get the episodes each week. And also feel free to check out some of my earlier episodes. I cover a range of different topics and who knows, you might learn something. Thanks again, and I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>